live and direct from New Jack City. It is Court and Amy, and I'm going to let you finish. Show 164 on the Pantheon Podcast Network in freezing-ass New York City. It's not freezing. You know to me, the temperature yeah. drops below 55, freezing. Yeah. <laughs> freezing. I can't take it. I hate being cold. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Even though my apartment is nice and toasty, but I just hate it. And plus, I've had a cold literally for over a week, which is kicking my ass. And I was like, do you have COVID? So I finally took COVID tests this week. I mean, those are negative. So it's just the bad cold that's going around. Not fun. Anyway, how are you? Um, fine. Uh, think, think, speaking of things that make us sick, the Grammy Awards nominations are out. Oh, okay. Well, that was a giant jump. Okay. <laughs> well, we have a guest. It's called the segue. We yeah. have a guest today and, and, uh, I'm going to hold up the book like I always do, and nobody can see it. Our friend Chris Malamfi, who who is reaching the exalted status of being the first guest we've ever had on twice. Da-da! Da-da! <laughs> he gets a gift bag. Mm-hmm. And he has a really, really cool book um, called Old Town Road, which is mm-hmm. all about Old Town Road, but much more. And we will discuss that with him in a little oh, bit. Miguel said to tell you hi. So here it is. Hi. Hi, Miguel. <laughs> Spoke to him this morning. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Grammy nomination. Uh, you know, you know you're fully disengaged from everything where you're looking down the list of Grammy nominations and going, who? 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 But, you know, they have nominated. There's a lot more women nominated this year, which is in good part, you know, it always makes me laugh. And I'm sure, you know, when they always say like, oh, you know, the the way to get more women and people of color nominated is to get rid of the roadblocks, which are the 75-year-old tuba player who was on a, I mean, no disrespect, but a 75-year-old tuba player or an 85-year-old tuba player may not know the contemporary music scene because their own little lane. So there are a lot more women nominated. SZA comes in with the most. She's leading with SZA nine comes in with the most. SZA comes with Victoria Monet, whose album Jaguar Two is it's great. a really good record. It's, it's a really great. good record. Seven it nominations, really is. And, and she's a writer who's been around for a no, long it's time, a, it, really, it's a really trying good to have a career. So I'm happy for her. Yeah. You know? Um, John Baptiste, who at this point is just could becoming the automatic. Oh yeah, he's the record. His it new felt record like was that terrible. with this record. Yeah, well, no, it wasn't this, terrible. The record's it, not terrible, but oh. it's like because it's not terrible. Yeah. It wasn't reviewed terribly. It just feels. Oh like, yes, it was. It got very oh, bad. Was reviews. it? I thought yes. it got good reviews. No, it got very uh, like ugh, reviews. Like he's you, trying to do know, too much at one time type of reviews. You know what the thing is now that because he, you know, it's that automatic thing, right? The last Grammys. Right. He won album of the year. So now you're kind of, you know, when you get into that world, it's like. They look at the oh, name and go, oh, him. Right. And he's Because I feel musician. like he got a, maybe a song or a record of the year nomination for a song where I was like, I don't know if that should, that slot no. could have been someone. Yeah. Else, so but. he's, I mean, it's not that he's not talented, but it's a meant record. So let's, why don't you go down the list of, let's go to the big four, right? So that's mm. album of the year, mm-hmm. best new artist, which. Mm-hmm. <sighs> 
the best new artist categories of hot mess. You want to read well, them off? Well, you know, I don't have the list in front of me because I record oh, the okay. show. So you got to read read the list because, you know, I'm, um, I'm I don't have the I'm list in front of me either. Us. But, but, but <laughs> the, um, I, all we have to say about, all right, I'll say it. All you have to say about the, are you kidding me about the best new artist is Ice Spice. Okay, well, well, hold on. Let's just get to She's it. She's terrible. Well, you know, it's the interesting She's terrible. thing. <laughs> the interesting thing about her is... It really feels like what? What are we doing? <laughs> no, what you're doing Whenever is I you're going see for ratings. And when, okay, okay, so it's Gracie Abrams, Fred again, Ice Spice, Jelly Roll, Coco Jones, Noah Kahan, Victoria Monet, The War and Treaty. Okay, I actually think Jelly Roll is going to win this. Yeah, he could. He could. There's that kind of momentum behind him, and he represents something that is kind of becoming into vogue, which is this kind of, and we're perfect timing talking to Chris, with this sort of new kind of more progressive country. So there's definitely a vibe. I'd love to see Victoria And Monet. also, I would love to see Victoria Monet win that. I think yeah. she's going to, I don't know if she's going to win the Best New Artist Grammy, even though I think that it would be amazing to see her get that. Yeah, I, th- I think that she's going to win a bunch of those R and B Grammys. I do. Yeah, I think so. Too. I absolutely do. Yeah, because people love the record. Like, the Ice yeah, Spice a, thing. Uh, it just feels like listen, pandering. I understand why she's popular. I get that. The kids. I yeah. get why she's popular. Yeah. But when I see her, this is where artist development. People think that it's not a big deal. Having artists in artist development really helps with how you perform on stage, just all of the different things. When I see her perform, it's just, because I think some of her songs are catchy. I'm not even going to sit here and act like, oh my God, this is so terrible. I don't think every song has to be like, I'm ruling the world. Some things need to be an earworm. She has earworms. But when I watch her perform, it's kind of like there's nothing going on. There's right, nothing but you have to there. understand. I mean, and this is, we could do a whole show. I mean, I teach a, a, a hip-hop class, right, to students who are in, you know, their early 20s. They don't care if they can perform or not. They don't care. They're yeah. not looking for showmanship. They just want to know what it sounds like. And they're not even, they could care less about the legitimacy, about the production. They really could care less. All they want to know is, is this banging. That's all they care about. Yeah, That's all they, uh, not, uh, you know, not uh, only, but, and, and, no, it, but it's kind of like, well, yeah. even the, when you have little Yachty making a statement saying the state of hip hop right now is terrible. It's a lot, a lot of throwaway music. It's like, if he's it saying that, we're, and, it, right. it really is. It is. But that just lets you know, it's like, it really is. Um, for all the Beyonce fans out there, calm your asses down. She won last year. This is not some great conspiracy to keep her off of the Grammy list for crying out loud. And I'm going to need you all to remember, we did a whole year of the album, and then we went into another year of the tour. The album right. won Best Dance Album. She won Best Dance Song. She won a, bunch, a couple of RB songs for like Cuff It and something else. Yeah. You all need to stop... At, the world yeah, is not on this one woman. I think everybody well, needs to calm their nerves. I think the Lana Del Rey nomination for album of the year is a nom. It's just a click. They saw it. The, that album also didn't get very good reviews, and it kind of came and went. That record, it came and but I, went. But, but 
all of her records, I feel like in the U.S. come and, and go. She has bigger hits outside of the U.S. in the U.K. where I want to say it was another number one album for her. But what? But we can't even say that now because you think of that way, and I used to think of it that way too, right? Oh, it came and went because we see it in the press. But now when I talk to my friends and I look at the streaming charts, it's really different because we're so used to the old school campaign and stumping thread and really living with it for months and months and months. Now I'll be thinking these things have come and gone and they're flop, but then I'm actually looking at what the metrics that they're looking at now is streaming and a lot of these records actually yeah, I just are think holding that up. Record, it's just weird. There were two records this year that were in the conversation. And that mm -hmm. was SZA and Taylor Swift. And no matter what you think about Taylor Swift, she is, I mean, she is the conversation this year. And so yeah. was SZA. And I think it basically comes down to the two of them. If the Grammys yeah. want to look really forward thinking and really expansive, they're going to go with SZA. If they want to acknowledge a record that even I, who really don't care about Taylor Swift, acknowledge is a good record and so did you, then they go with Taylor. And anybody who starts screaming and yelling about oh, Taylor Swift, then you haven't really been paying attention to music. I mean, I'm sorry. I know she's won a lot of Grammys, but so has Beyonce. So you can't use a criteria of like, oh my God, she's winning all these. I think it really is between SZA and Taylor Swift. I think it's going to be SZA. I really do. This is why I think it's going to be SZA. Oh, and Boy Genius is up there yeah, too. They could yeah. be the spoiler. Yeah. They really could because they are critically acclaimed. They have gone from being like a little one-off goofy you know fun group and phoebe bridgers was already nominated for a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff last year mm -hmm. and they're now selling out madison square garden you know no. i know i'm supposed to like them as a white woman i still don't get it <laughs> i mean it's not bad but i just don't get it you know and I as white as a white woman adjacent i don't get it either but i don't it's get okay. it i don't but hate I it but i really don't listen get to it. it maybe i need to yeah. go listen to the record no I, listen to it it's it not hasn't bad, even but come i see them and i'm like I haven't had that interest to, to turn No, because they have three women who would have annoyed me in high school. Well, um, no, I think, like you, I, I think SZA has a good chance because, one, yeah. her album stayed number one. She had a, a number one album time. for like she broke 10 record. weeks she broke a, on, on, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. A hot, on, a, on the Billboard 200 chart, which is a great accomplishment. It's a really strong album. And I think that voters might say... If they give Taylor Swift another album of the year, and let's just face it, the biggest hits that she had this summer was Cruel Summer, right? Which yeah. actually, and Karma was a big hit too, and that's well, on Anti -hero. the Hero. Anti Hero. Anti Hero yeah. was a hit. Yeah, that was a hit too. But I think Cruel Summer, which seemed like the really massive song, is actually from Lover from 2019. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that the voters might look and say, do we give Taylor Swift this fourth album of the year? Right. Because, right. you know, that's voters start thinking about that kind of stuff. And the scissor record is I it is still the going SZA record. It's still going. And I think yeah. they might think Taylor has enough, you know, at this point in terms of stuff. All right. Speaking of enough. Mm -hmm. I love Robbie Williams. You love Robbie Williams. Mm -hmm. I love a good documentary, mm -hmm. docuseries. You love a good docuseries. Mm -hmm. I, we both watched the Robbie Williams docuseries. Well, let's on... start with it first. Amy was like, I'm waiting to watch it with a friend. I have a friend who's really going through a rough time. Da, 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 da. So I promised I'd watch it together. So I watched it and I hit her up. I was like, um, 
If your friend is having a rough time, <laughs> do <be>. not <laughs> watch the Robbie Williams documentary. It yeah. is not by the end of it, you're going to want to step in front of a train. Do not well, watch actually, it. Actually, by the end of it, you're gonna want to push him in front of a train. Right. <laughs> I just, because <laughs> look, I love Robbie Williams. I know, you know, he's great, he's a showman, whatever. The, the thing that's crazy about this documentary is that, first off, there is no context for anything. It's like, when I was 13, I dropped out of school, I wasn't a good student, I joined Take That, and then I became a huge success. Uh, okay, where are you? Not that I have to have a biography, but what made you terrible in school? What made you audition? Who are your parents? Did you come from a musical family? And then it's like his success, and the whole thing is framed around Robbie Who's like what fifty by now? He's got to be 50, in his fifties, yeah. firmly in his fifties, or, or close his, to it. In his Versace underwear, by the way, tackiest dresser I've ever seen in my life. I mean, seriously. I mean, like seriously. In his Versace underwear, in his mansion in L.A., which is fine. Watching old clips of himself on a, on a, a laptop, commenting. <laughs> there is no. It's like, and it's one wait, of those things. Wait, every like, scene. Wait, and every scene, he's like, "I'm not gonna want to see what's happening here. I'm not gonna so want to really, see this." It really was a case study in mental health, which I absolutely understand, and I appreciate if that's the approach you want to tell. But it was like, it, it felt like four hours of no hope. Every episode just went from bad and, to and worse. No, it's like, and again, people people suffer from. He has said he suffers mental. He's yes. a recovering ag. I'm all. I have no problem with any of that stuff. But it's it's like, did you like any of this? Did you have fun with any of this? Right. Like, what was your creative process? What? Yes, you had these huge success at a relatively young age. But they show us an episode where he's on stage at Leeds. It's incredible footage. It's all, you know, where he has a full out panic attack to the point. And then it's like, and then I was better. It's what happened? <laughs> like, what was the cause of all this? And then they introduce his wife. He's been married to a very long time. And the first clip we see of American woman, the first clip we see of his wife, she's walking out on the Conan O'Brien show. She's met with thunderous applause and hoots. Well, who is this woman? She was obviously well known. Which is you fine, know, at the but end, like, I was I still, it. it's like I met her. I thought the end just stopped. It, there was well, no and ending. it ended, and I was still like, was she an actor or something? Why, well, yeah, why did people she? know? Yeah, why, I was like, did, did I miss something? I feel no, like I missed part, something. Yeah, the best part, the best part, though, we were talking about it. So the ending is him going to the O2 in his triumphant shows, and he's leaving the, uh, keep in mind, Robbie Williams is richer than, uh, super duper rich. His house super is duper gorgeous. Rich. house is gorgeous. Yeah. No, yeah. super yeah. duper rich, mm-hmm. okay? Never has to sing a day in his life again. So the scene is like he's leaves with him going to the O2 and he's leaving his house. He has four kids, one of whom was on camera. The rest of them are little, oh, daddy, daddy. Like he was going to war. He could afford to take all those kids with him. On the to, private jet that they got on. On the private jet to London, put him up at the Claridge, bring the tutors, <laughs> it's just like you would and only two of those kids are actually in school the rest of them are little kids they get each have a nanny and a governess and a cook it's just like come on man this is not i haven't been away from them for this long yes you kind of have 
It was a little like, come on. So, I mean, he's great. He's a great performer. They never really explain why he never broke in the U.S. the way he did in England. They never really explain why the English press turned against him. There's just a lot of big holes and there's no context. Again, like, what what made you so miserable, Robbie? You know, it, so it's just disappointing. And I was like at the end of I mean, I committed to watching it. And at the end of it, it was like, all right, I love his records. And oh my God, though, how hot was he when he was younger? Sorry. But you know what's crazy too, though? He's a very funny guy. I know people mm-hmm. who work with him who said he's hilarious. You see him on I've heard he's great. Shows. Hilarious. Self deprecating, hilarious, doesn't take himself too seriously. Okay, that's the image I have, Robbie Williams. And then you see this documentary where it's like, oh my God, is this sponsored by freaking Prozac? This thing is like the most. I'm like, like, I definitely was sitting here going, like, hmm. I wanted to watch like a documentary about World War II afterwards to lighten the mood, you know? It was I know, it was very, you know, listen, and, and, and I think it was really, it really just kind of was. Really, it should be framed more about a story about mental health because it's really what it comes down to, right? Because you see this man who's incredibly sad but and, and having a really hard time struggling. But then the flip side is, yeah, you've had some ups and downs in your career like every artist, but you know the show is ending as you're going over there to your shows at the O2. I'm going to say that's not really the mighty have fallen, you know <laughs> You can be mentally ill and successful, though. No, no, absolutely. That's why I said this whole story actually should be framed as a mental health story, because that's what it is. I really thought, okay, this was going to be really showing me it was a documentary about his life. But it kind of like, I didn't know how to feel when I finished the last episode. It was just like, it felt like watching somebody have a therapy session online. It was. I mean, that's, it was you very know. self-indulgent. He's walking around in his freaking mm. underwear. Um, all right. Love the new Dua Lipa single. Next. Yeah. It's catchy. And I like her, her, her tribute to Madonna video. You know what I mean? It's definitely. Oh, is that what that is? Um, if you look at it, it it's. Oh, yeah. Look yeah, at yeah, that yeah. And go back and look at Hung Up. Oh, yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely giving that from some of the dance yeah. moves and the whole Confessions era. Mm-hmm. No, she, Dua Lipa, though, is, is, I mean, she's the one to beat. She it's really a cat, is. It's a catchy tune. It's and an earworm. And she's smart. She makes great music. She's smart. This time she's working with Tame Impala, which is a really mm-hmm. interesting choice to work with him. It's catchy. It's smart. Uh, she's really likable. Mm-hmm. Um on every level she's really smart so i'm i think i'm very much looking forward to the album and you know what else i'm looking forward to taking a break Mm -hmm. oh (laughs) well miss thing it's like Well, we don't usually take the break in 18 minutes. That's you really- told me. You told me to do it every. I told you I was going to do it every 15 okay. minutes. Because <laughs> we got a guest coming on. I was like, "Wow, you're looking forward to taking a break." I was trying to figure. Out, I was like, "From school," Sorry. and I'm looking. No, no. Right. <laughs> and with Let's- that, kids, we'll be right back. <laughs> Listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. And we're back. <laughs> uh, if in a, um, I don't even want to talk about Eric Adams. I can't stand him. But he's in implicates being nothing has been said seriously yet, but is looking like possibly maybe allegedly his campaign was funneling money from Turkey. Here's my favorite part about it. It's like they keep being like, well, now the FBI came. And they also took uh, his phones and an iPad. But don't worry. The mayor is not being investigated for anything. Yeah. Really? Very, so you just you just come dirty. in and take somebody's elect- electronic he's, device? He's, no, he's very, very dirty. That is why he that, that's why he rushed his ass back to fucking you. And no, he's still yeah, on, we do. And, now he, and he's still on TV like this crisis, migrant crisis. I was like, you were about to sit across on the president. You keep screaming it at the why'd you come back? Don't come well, back and tell us that we have a big problem and you came back talking about I need to be loyal to my staff. You need to be loyal also to the city of New York that elected you. And if we need help with this issue, which we clearly do, because don't even get we can't even get started on this. Subject yeah, let's it gets me hot on. under the collar. Yeah, let's not talk let's about move it. On. There's many, many <laughs> yeah, let's, to that. let's move All on. All right. Once again, I just wanted this is my feeling. You cannot dismiss anything until the we. Don't dismiss the Knicks yet, okay? Yes, they lost last night. They lost to the Celtics, who is clearly the team to beat. But they've been they've been looking way better. I mean, that's I'll well. Say they that won much. three in a row, and then they lost last night. But I'm mad. They needed to win because Boston kicked our ass in our opening game at home. So I really needed them to win last night. Well, I'm this, sure this, they needed to win too. But, but this <laughs> is where we see we're still one piece short, right? We need that one superstar that number one player who puts the team on his back like we see that happen well, like tatum put the know, team on his back like you see we've seen lebron put the team on his back we don't have the person who can absolutely put the steph curry who can make the shots you well know? you know since adams is so tight with turkey and turkey has a lot of good <laughs> basketball players i know maybe I'm he could just saying. go over there and help us just get go over there basketball is very big in turkey mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure he could just go over to istanbul and just find the tallest turkey can find and bring him over mm-hmm. um 
All right, here's something. I, you know, I don't have the Barbara Streisand gene. I don't get it. I mean, it's not that she can't sing. I just don't understand why she's considered so great. But you like her. So she has a book, right? She does have a book, which I just got and I've just started. And I cannot wait to um, really get into it. How far into it are you? Well, it's 908 pages. I just started it. So I'm only like 20-something pages into it. All right. I I just don't get why she's considered so great. I'm not saying that she isn't talented. I'm not saying, but I just don't get why her. There are so many singers in the world. I just don't get it. Um, I find her barberness a little annoying, but I know that's part of the thing. I do admire what she's done for women in the industry and that she's taken a stand, but I don't know. I just don't get it. Like what's Mm -hmm. so special about her? I really, I'm being very serious. What? She's supremely talented and amazing. But lots of women are extremely, lots of singers. I just don't get why she is the standard for that singing. I just, I really honestly don't get why her. There's nothing to me particularly She's good, but I don't sit there and go, oh, my God, I can't wait to hear Barbara Streisand. Um, I am grateful that she put Laura Nero on the map and made lots I mean, of money for Laura I Nero. love Barbara Streisand. I've I loved know. her since I was a little kid. I love her voice. But like you, my mom cannot, I know, stand, I like my mom mom. cannot stand the sound of her voice. Well, not think, that part. She doesn't yeah. think she doesn't. She doesn't think that her, sing, she, her singing voice is not pleasant to my mother's ear. She just doesn't. She's yeah, never liked her. And I love her. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just. I love her said, in movies. I love her. I, I oh love the barberness. I love the nails and the hair oh, and the I outfits. I, I love it. it. All of it. I just find her to, I, I, again, I mean, yay for her. Girl out of Brooklyn. The backstory is fun. You know, not particularly, not traditionally good looking and made it type of thing. Go Jews, you know, but yeah. I'm, I just, I, it's not, she's not talented. It's like Tom Cruise. I don't get it. He's not that the nicest guy on the planet. Nicest well, of course he is, because he's got uh, a brain, but he's part of a one cult. year I worked at MTV for one. I try to act like never happened in my life year. The one thing, a couple, a couple of things happened for that year at MTV, but one, I got to meet Kylie Minogue. It was the very first time I got to meet her during the body language period. She was amazing. I handed her a stack of my CDs. She signed all of them. And Tom Cruise had come. I forgot what movie he was promoting. He's down in the studio. And literally, that man walked around and shook everybody's hand from intern to and, Hi, Tom Cruise. Very, very, very I've very heard he's nice very guy. nice, but he's very also nice complicit guy. in all sorts of horrible, horrible things. So, I mean, I'm sure he's nice. He has to be nice. If you're a Scientologist, my and thing, you're a wait, dick, let me just say this. If if I didn't talk to a lot of people who were complicit in a lot of horrible things, I no, think I wouldn't well, talk then to maybe, that many people. No, but he's complicit in a I just listen, he's a religious fanatic. Well, it's not even a religion it's a cult so i just find of course he's nice because he's trying to get you to give over all your money and find you know his best friend's wife has been missing for five years and he hasn't seen his child for like what (laughs) 10 years and his ex-wife is excommunicated and he won't talk to her you know, I mean, listen, if you're, gonna, if you're going to nitpick, <laughs> no, it's, yeah, you know, and other than that, he's amazing. Nitpick, Amy, then, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, of course he's charming. I love that you just, listen, those are my, 
Those are minor little Isolating children from their parents, refusing to take responsibility for his own child, uh, standing up and promoting a cult. I mean, other than that. The fierce shit was Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes, because remember, her father's like, her father's an attorney. And, she and orchest- Nicole Kidman's father was a psychiatrist. And she orchestrated that. He helped her orchestrate that whole sort of get out of Dodge. Yeah, he went to make a movie and she took the kid. It was No, like, but as Ew. well, she should. You know, I yeah. never thought that was his kid. Really? That kid looks nothing like him. That kid looks like what? her and somebody else. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't care either which way. But I'm just saying, I really and he killed her career too. She was actually really good in a couple movies. Well, she stopped. Well, she still works. She works when she wants to. Like you know, right. she's one of those actors who works when she. Well, wants she's to. got shut up money. I'm being. She's got shut up money. I need shut up money. Me too. I need the I kind need some shut up like, money. Like I need the civil divorce money. Remember when, when, when Steven Spielberg wanted to divorce Amy Irving because he had fallen yeah. in love with Kate. And he, without an argument, gave her yeah, something. He, and this is like in the 80s. He gave right, her something I mean, like $95 million. Million dollars, yeah. It was like, the same was, way. Like, like, it was yeah, like, here's yeah. a check. Yeah, buy and yourself so, a country. But she's like, I make a movie when I want. I do a play. I need that. I need, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? I need that. Oh, I just got a text from our guest. Uh, uh-huh. He's running about ten minutes late, so let's go back and talk about Eric Adams again okay. or something. What's up? Let's <laughs> take a, let's take a, a quick break now, mm-hmm. and then we will talk a little bit, and then we will take a break and come back with our friend Chris. So let's take a quick break now. We'll be right back. <laughs> And we're back. Okay, so the thing that was interesting about the Grammys this year is we're seeing a lot more women. We're seeing a lot more Black women in the major categories, like Victoria Monet's On My Mama, which is a great song, getting a Record of the Year Grammy nomination. Um, and let's let's look at these uh, the Record of the Year nominations, because I do think that... Is that, uh, now, is that for the songwriter or the producer? Or the rec- artist? Record of the Year, I want to say, goes to the producer's writers, but she, she wrote it. She's a writer. Right, right, She's right. She's one of the writers right. and the producers, so right. she would get a Grammy for it. Okay, let's see. My, everything is slow today. I don't know what is happening. So record of the year is Worship by John Peptiste. Never heard of it. Never see, this goes to the artists and the producers, recording engineers, yeah, yeah. and on mixers and mastering engineers. Right. Not Strong Enough by Boy Genius. Never heard it. Well, I have, but I couldn't tell you what it sounded like. Right. Flowers by Miley Cyrus. <sighs> Terrible, not a good song. I, no, that's a great song, actually. It's a great song. I don't, I don't I, it's like very it. catchy, a huge, but that's it a is huge catchy. hit. And it's yeah, a huge yeah, yeah. hit. We, we're talking about what's hits, right? And where that song was number one for a lot of weeks. No, I know. Uh, yeah, I just. So, but, so, but we're talking about who's going to vote. And you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, my, yeah. No, true. And so it's voting and seeing certain things that are familiar. Miley hasn't had any nominations for her music, I want to say in over 10 years or something. So, and it was a big record for her. People could want to reward that. Uh, What was I made for the Billie Eilish Barbie song? 
which people loved, and that was a big yeah. record. On yeah. My Mama, Vampire, Olivia Rodrigo. We forgot to talk about her. She's got a bunch of nominations. Yeah. Antihero and Kill Bill. This is like uh, to, you, me, I Kill just, Bill, to me, Kill Bill is like the one only one I really remember. And, no, I like and, Olivia Rodrigo. I and I Kill just Bill. realized that John Baptiste is the only man in this category. Well, good. It's all women. But Welcome we talk about that and women not being rep- represented like that's a big deal. In a well, it's amazing what category. happens when you get rid of a man who's heading up Naris, who's alleged to have raped people, and then you get and you bring. Look, what it is is that it's not that women don't make records. Women have always made records. Women, oh, you just have to get rid of the people who view things like oh, women, and it could. And I will say this could be a bit of like oh shoot, we have a really bad reputation, you know, because Neil Port and I said women need to step up. Well, they stepped up. You know what I mean? They said there's no rap album at all in the album of the year. There's nothing. No, the the album of the year are wait, let's see. SOS is a Midnight's Taylor Swift, Guts, Olivia Rodrigo, The Age of Pleasure, Janelle Monae. Do you know that there's a tunnel on the Ocean Boulevard by Lana? Endless Summer yeah. Vacation by Miley. The the record by Boy Genius, and World Music Radio. John Baptiste. Yeah, it that's seems just like the, how'd that yeah, get no, that's just like oh, that's the that's the nomination for people go. It's not real music. Oh, wait a minute. Speaking of real music, look who just came into our chat, Chris. Can you guys hear me? Yes. We can. Let me all just right, so say this, Chris. I'm going to do this. All right, go. And then I'm going to do the thing I do every time we have an author on where I hold up the. Clearly, you're a quite popular person because. Your show, the last time you were on our show, yes. was yes. literally yes. the biggest show of the year for yes. us. Yes. <laughs> Seriously? It was yes. The, it was it kept being shared. It and kept we've being had listened famous to. people. We've the had numbers people in our kept show going up. It was it was yes. a huge show. Yes. People are really interested in hearing about charts and numbers and you, evidently. Move but wasn't over in the camera we, so we can what? see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, Bye. there we go. And you can How see the you? Prince poster on my wall now. Um, <laughs> so, uh, don't you think that's because we were talking, were we talking about Kate Bush Ta- and Beyonce? And like Taylor Swift, I believe. Wasn't it Taylor? No, no, no. Taylor. Taylor was Jody Rosen. We talked, Jody we talked about Rosen. charts too. Chris, yeah. just take the compliment. No, I think it was I'll just you. Take the compliment. I'm telling you because it seemed to be a lot of people who know you and then it just spread around and it was huge. It was a huge right. show. <laughs> take it. I'll take it. I'll take, take it. it. All right. So I'm going to hold up the book so that everybody cannot see it. Chris, this book is so freaking cool. It's thank really you. cool. No, I really liked it. Now, the fact that you thanked me at the back has got very little. To Doesn't do hurt, it. You right? know, I always do that. I'm a complete, I am still that person who goes to the acknowledgement. I do that too. You, I do it yeah, too. Yeah, I always do go, does any, and I will tell you that 90 time, 99 times out of 100, I, it's Alan Light, Amy Lynch, and it's been the story of my life. I always follow Alan Light. Because, yes. well, you got to do it alphabetical. Alphabetical, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I don't fuck with that. No, you don't want to fuck with that. Um, it's a great book. So Am I recording on my side, or are we trusting the Riverside? 
Yeah, I'm recording. I got it all. You're recording. I can see that you're recording. And it's telling me okay. you're recording. All of the yeah, things yeah, yeah. are happening. I'm the all one. Right, if you guys are, all right. Riverside seems reliable, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I like yeah hold it. that thought. Um, <laughs> okay, so this hold that thought. This is a book. All right, so this imprint is totally devoted to singles, right? That's right. This is the third in a series that Duke University Press started a couple years ago. The first in the series was Roadrunner by Joshua Clover about the Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers song. I was going to say, who did, who, I was like, who's Joshua Clover? Which Roadrunner are we talking about? Yeah, yeah. Rich that Roadrunner. Okay. Um, and then the second book, which only just came out late this summer, is Eric Weisbard's book, Hound Dog about the, of course, Big Mama Thornton slash Elvis Presley song. Okay. And then this is the third. Um, I can tell without road. reading the other ones that yours is the best. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, a, it's, I mean, as cultural phenomenons go, I don't think you'll be able to top what Old Town Road was. I mean, it really was that, like, you couldn't avoid that song if you wanted to. And I think I may have mentioned this once before, but I was teaching, I'm using this in huge quotation marks, a journalism class in huge quotation marks at a local high school in Brooklyn, so mainly black and his uh, Latino kids. And the song had just dropped. All the kids liked it, high school student. But this one girl one day says to me, um, Miss Linden, um... Oh, I don't want to say this. You might get upset. And I'm like, what? She thought the song he was saying, I'm going to take a horse to an old, old hotel. And he thought she thought it was wow. about somebody having sex with a whore. No, somebody having sex with a horse in a hotel room. And oh I was my. like, yeah. And I was like, I don't even want to get into why that's where your mind went. But okay. <laughs> and there's even if your mind is deep in the gutter, I I kind of don't yeah. see that interpretation. But if you know the kid's got a lively imagination, well, she so was God very bless. embarrassed to say because she was like, "Is this about having sex with a horse?" And I went, "No, it's not about having sex with a horse for crying out loud." <laughs> Sometimes pop songs are really just what they seem to be about. On the yeah, street. it's about an old town road and riding till you can't no more. All right, so talk about first of why you decided to pick this song, this artist. Okay, the truth is, since we talked briefly about the Duke series, this was not my idea. I was approached by the co-curators, shout out to Emily Lordy and Joshua Clover, who were, you know, putting together the series. I had written a shit ton about Old Town Road in 2019 because, of course, for Slate, I write the Why is the Song Number One series. And I wrote about Old Town Road just a bunch in 2019. I wrote about it twice, first when it went to number one, and then again when it set the record for most weeks at number one in Hot 100 history, which it defeated Mariah Carey and Boys to Men's old, um, not Old Town Road, um, Mariah Carey one and Boys to Men's One, fine, one, one, sweet, one, did, one sweet Day. Uh, even, though I put an asterisk, even though I put an asterisk on it. Why, I why is your asterisk there? Well, because... Mariah Carey and Boyz II Men, One Sweet Day, was that one song straight across. They didn't do any remixes to help it. The video, your, your video didn't count towards spins. It was sales and radio play. And that I think it. with this record, it first didn't have Billy Ray Cyrus on it. 
Then, then, they, then they put Billy Ray Cyrus on it. There was yep. 14 different versions of the video <laughs> and all of that counted. Now, I think the record has a success, but when we talk about it, One Sweet Day was One Sweet Day. They didn't come with a remix to One Sweet Day. There wasn't True. 14 videos for One Sweet Day and it went True. straight through. This song got a lot of help to stay with. Put another remix. Do this. And you know, each time you, each time you switch a video and with that counting, millions of people go to watch it and those numbers help count. So that's but he why was I also a there. debut artist and Mariah Carey and Boys to Men at that point could sell Coles to Newcastle. Doesn't matter. No, I'm that just is, saying. That is, that is true. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I yeah. the yeah. thing is I agree with everything y'all are saying. I mean, to mm-hmm. complete the thought. I had written so much about Old Town Road in 2019 that when Emily Lordy approached me in the summer of 2020 and said, we'd love it if you would do this, mm-hmm. I have to say, my schedule being what it is, I do not need a book project. I do not need right. bonus work. But I mm-hmm. took one listen to the idea, and I knew immediately I had to say yes. Because right. I often I, – I credit Carl Wilson – who wrote Let's Talk About Love 15 years ago for the 33 and a Third series, which is kind of like the predecessor series. I love the 33 and a Third series. It's great. I do too. And what Carl did in his installment, Let's Talk About Love, is ostensibly on the surface, he is writing about a Celine Dion album, Let's Talk About Love. But in reality, what Carl is writing about is about taste and poptimism and high and low culture and how we approach, you know, what we decide is worthy of pop approbation and that sort of thing. What Carl did in that book is brilliant. And I had always had in the back of my mind thought I would love to do a book that is about one thing, but is really about the charts and genre and how we categorize things and how we chart things. And as soon as they approached me and said, would you write a book about old town road? I said, Oh, I have to do this because this, it hadn't occurred to me until they asked, but this is my vehicle to do for the charts and genre what Carl Wilson did with taste and well, optimism. and also, I mean, Little Nas X is a, a a a case study in charts and genre because he very famously sort of made the charts and genre kind of rethink what they were. I what I I mean, I love the whole book, but Chapter Five. Um, is really fascinating because, and I did not know this, I'll read from it. In 2014, Billboard's editors made a categorical decision uh, about Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars' hit Uptown Funk. They were not going to classify it as an R&B song or allow it to compete on their R&B hip-hop songs, even though Uptown Funk is, you know, basically a time song. Um, Now, how crazy... I never knew maybe I'm naive that like there was this cabal Opus Dei Illuminati of billboard people who sat there and went, you are a country song. You are an R and B song. And that's <laughs> crazy to show that they did it to Bruno Mars and Mark Ronson, who at that point were so huge. Right. Well, to right. Me, this is when race started to come into play a little bit and especially with old town road, right? Because we saw how it was impacting the country chart and then suddenly they were like, oh, no, you're not country and we're taking you off the chart. And it's like, well, well, why? I've never heard of a song being pulled off a chart that is naturally charting on. I've never heard somebody say, well, wait, stop. No, 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 But no, that's no. what I'm saying. It's like yeah. so crazy because Bruno Mars is not a white guy. Mm-mm. I mean, and they're saying you're not doing an R&B song. And it's like, but I am doing an R&B song. You I'm know? doing a song that's an homage to turn of the 80s R&B. Right. It's such an homage, as I point out in that part of the chapter, that 
the Gap Band successfully sued and got a writing credit because it sounds right. just like Uptown Funk You Up, Uptown right. Funk You Up, Oops Upside Your Head. I it, said Oops right. Upside Your Head. It's the same cadence. Right. So, you know, it is clearly an R&B song. What I was indicting, and by the way, I love that you loved Chapter 5, because as far as I'm concerned, Chapter 5 is the chapter for the heads. It's <laughs> the chapter where I go deepest into the nerdiness, and it's the chapter where, frankly, I kind of ding billboard because I have been complaining for about a dozen years now. I, I am often a great defender of billboards methodologies. I think they are doing their best with the data they have, but I do not like the genre charts methodology that they came up with in the early 2010s, basically turning all of their genre charts into mini hot 100s. And the reason why that system sucks is once you make a category call, oh, this Bruno Mars, Mark Ronson song is not an R&B song. You have to stick to that because then if you suddenly, if it starts crossing over, which in theory is what these charts are for, you're trying to track crossover in part right? You can no longer allow it on because then it would instantly, because you're using Hot 100 data, it would go from not on the chart at all, Uptown Funk, to debuting at number one, which would make no sense. So Billboard makes the call, nope, we've already decided it's a pop song, it's not an R&B song, it can never be on an R&B chart. Flash ahead four years to the Old Town Road controversy, the mistake Billboard made was for a week, they, they, they got caught napping. They allowed Old Town Road onto the country chart for one week based on Hot 100 data. And then Nashville partisans complained and they yanked it. And that's what led to the tempest in a teapot. Because if they had never allowed it on the country chart in the first place, we might not be having this conversation. But suddenly they yanked it and everybody said, well, wait a minute. Okay, yes, it's based in hip hop fundamentally, but it's also clearly a country song. Yes, he's singing in a corn pone accent. Yes, it's comical, but there have been comical songs that have hit the country chart all the time. You like know, Achy, all my Breaky Heart. Like Achy Breaky Heart, for instance. I mean, which, and, yeah. you know, Billy Ray, a big reason why he was so eager to jump on this record when Lil Nas X asked him, and I should tell the reason why Lil Nas X picked Billy Ray Cyrus, of all people, was because he remembered what it was like to be dinged by Nashville in the early 90s. Oh, you know, you got that novelty record. It was a big-ass hit, and it was beloved by country audiences. And so the reason Lil Nas X approached Billy Ray Cyrus, of all people, in late 2018, early 2019, Billy Ray, I don't, I'm not trying to insult him here, was hardly at the cutting edge of country music at no, that time. Not, it's a, he was Miley's dad at that point. He was Miley's dad. That is the only reason why this Zoomer, born in 1999, knew who Billy Ray Cyrus was, because he was the father of, effectively, Hannah Montana, Hannah Montana the, yeah. the, right. the show he'd been watching in the aughts. He was the only country music star Lil Nas X knew. And so he tweets into the universe, hey, somebody help get me Billy Ray Cyrus right. on this. And when it actually starts taking off, the people at Columbia Records approach Billy Ray and say, you know, this this kid kind of wants you on his record. Do you want to do his record? And Billy Ray takes one listen. He said, that's original. I would do that. I mean, I, all props to Billy Ray Cyrus for having the for imagination hearing of seeing. For hearing absolutely it. hearing it and not being brushing that off like I'm not doing that shit. Exactly. He was not a snob about it. And okay, fine. You can be a cynic and say, well, but, you know, he wasn't all that hot in 2018. He needed this more than they needed him. But no, I give him credit. He, he could hear how this would be awesome. And frankly, his verse on the first remix of Old Town Road, Hat Down, Cross Town, Living Like a Rockstar is now kind of my favorite part of the record. It's it's, it's a, a fantastic good, verse. Well, he took the record to a whole other place. Let's just be honest with it. The totally. Billy Ray getting on that song really took it somewhere else. It did. Yeah. The combination of them both and then the visual of it all, it just worked. And then the, 
Well, and also, I see, but this is what, and, you know, and it's also the background of this song. It's just, well, I'll get into this, the whole, like, it could only exist in the age of, of, of sam- not sampling, of the internet. It, this song could only exist yes. because of the it's internet. It's a meme as much as a No, it, it is. And Trent Reznor getting a writing crack. I mean, there's so many elements. But, I mean, I want to ask you this. Do you, I know he asked Billy Ray, and I understand that Billy Ray did it, but sometimes you're wondering, is there a degree of white savior going on here? Like, I'm going to come in and legitimize this young, we didn't know he was gay yet, but wasn't that much of a shock when he came out, black kid's song. I mean, do you think I'm overthinking that? Or? I don't think you're overthinking it, but I would say that for Billy Ray, it was a dare, right? Because when he said yes, the controversy was already stirred up over the song getting pulled from the country chart. And so basically the open question out there already in the media was, is it because he's black? Is it because, yeah, yes, he that hasn't worked in the Nashville the system. Conversation. Yeah, that was totally right. the conversation. And of course, Nashville, Na- let me play devil's advocate. Nashville will argue back, no, we've been giving hit records to uh, Darius Rucker, formerly of Hootie and the Blowfish, for a decade now. We, and think back One. to Charlie Pride. They, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Courtney. One. They will always point to the two exceptions. or right. the, they're not the giving it to exception. Mickey Guyton. We're not racist because <laughs> blank. And right. the blank and is always Darius one of two Rucker or three answers. Right. From the whitest band in White Town, <laughs> right? Exactly. So they'll always point to a couple of ch- carefully chosen talented, examples. Though. He is. I, 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 I no shade on Darius Ooh. Rucker. And by by the late tens, there were other black country stars like Kane Brown, right. who were and, playing Nashville by Nashville and Jimmy, rules. And Jimmy Allen and people. And like Jimmy that. Allen. And so it wasn't as if there were zero mainstream black country stars. Mm-hmm. So Nashville could make a paper-thin argument. No, it isn't because of his race. But then, to go back to uh, Amy's question, yeah, Billy Ray is basically kind of trying to prove a point. Like, okay, if we stick a white country star on this record, does it become country? And spoiler alert, Billboard never allowed it back onto the country chart because at that point, the optics, which were already terrible when they yanked the record, they would have looked been, even they worse. They like, we'll be killed, right. Oh, we have a white person on this. I guess it's a country record now. Right. You know, that would have looked even worse. It's sort of so like his daughter approximating hip-hop culture to get a hit. You know, it's like the family that, you know, <laughs> This family that stands by genres that aren't theirs, you know. The woman, who, the woman who worked with Mike Will made it. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then decides to do a record with Stevie Nicks or somebody, you know, equally right. urban. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I fully support Miley's travels through genre. You know, God bless. Yeah, but I had no Miley. problem with that. She had to kill the Hannah Montana thing, right? She wanted people she to did. really see. Her. She had to kill that. She was like, kill I it, am, kill it with I fire. Really different. And Bangers was a great record. It really was. Yes, it was a great Bangers record. was good. And um, yeah. what was I like? What Dead Plastic, was it? Plastic Hearts. Oh, the, I really like that one too. That was really Plastic really Hearts was really good. That yeah. was the one where she went uh, kind of Pat Benatar. I like yeah. that. Yeah, and I like this last one. I like Endless Summer Vacation. I thought it was a good record. I did. Yeah. No, there's good um, stuff on there. Talk about talk. Well, talk about the genesis of the song. I mean, it's really crazy when you're reading this, and I knew some of this, but it's literally like this Frankenstein of a song, but yet. That's sort of how music is made now. It's it's Frankenstein music. And a little bit back 100%. to the chart. Well, did, country, yet, did country radio stop playing the song? Country radio, to be fair, never fully embraced the song. They treat it as a curiosity. Okay. And here's, here's my, my line on that. And then, Amy, I'll get to your question. 
I am not arguing that it would have been justice for Old Town Road to be the number one country record for five solid months, which is what it would have been, by the way, of Billboard using its methodology. If Billboard had left it on the chart, it wouldn't have just gone to number one. It would have been number one for like half the year. The problem is with their methodology, which is why I take it to task in chapter five of the book. The example I always give is back in 1984. Do y'all remember the Lionel Richie hit Stuck on You? Yes. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> okay, now for all intents and purposes, play that record in your I head. I love that song. I kind of <laughs> do too. I'm with I'm Team Courtney. I'm, on not, that song. I'm not a Lionel that's Richie all, fan. That's all but he's a country, he's more of a country music artist than he is. Think an about R&B all the artist. times Lionel walked right up to the line of doing country records. For all intents and purposes, Stuck on You is an Alabama record. Like yeah. it, totally. without Alabama on it. By the way, he yeah. later actually worked with Alabama. But yeah, in he wrote songs like Kenny Rogers. I mean, he really did he, write that right. line and R&B in country, especially when you're from the South, those lines are really thin. Paper you know? thin. Yeah. Paper yeah. thin. It's it's yeah. all about the, the race of the performer. Mm-hmm. Okay. In 1984, when Stuck on You was released as something like the fourth or fifth single from Can't Slow Down, it peaked, uh, it actually made the country chart and it peaked at number 24. I argue in the book, and I argue it in a footnote, that that is actually appropriate. Stuck on You crossed country. It didn't become the biggest country record because in the age of the Judds and Alabama and early George Strait, it was never going to be the number one country record, but number 24 is pretty accurate, right? It was was a song by somebody who doesn't normally record in the country genre doing a very authentic sounding country record, and it made it to number 24. That is probably, to answer Courtney's question, that is how Old Town Road should have charted if the chart system was working properly. It never would have been a number one country hit. It would have been something that peaked somewhere in the middle, and that would have been appropriate. But Billboard's genre charts methodology doesn't allow that anymore. Now it's all or nothing. If you're counting Hot 100 data, you're going to misrepresent, oh, Old Town Road is the number one country record in the country for five months. That would have looked just as ridiculous as what Billboard actually did do, which was yanking it from the country chart. They, th- It was bad optics either way, right. and they picked the optics of, let's take this young black man and w- remove him from the chart. So that's that's my my line on should it have charted country? Yes, it should have charted country, but it shouldn't have been number one because that would have been a misrepresentation about the acceptance by the country audience. So I'm sorry because because now you're you're having me really curious. You know charts. So then have they changed the methodology and how the charts work? Because I remember like "Ode to Billy Joe" by Bobby Gentry. That's a number one pop record. I believe it's a top five. Soul, with, that's back when the chart was called the R&B Soul Chart. It was the number across, one country record. So how right. is it able to go across all three like that? And now, Because now, back in the 60s, in 1967, mm-hmm. when that was a hit, mm-hmm. they only counted radio airplay for that genre. They didn't count cross-radio airplay. And gotcha. that indicated that Ode to Billy Joe was actually getting played on R&B stations. It was actually getting played on country stations. And of course, it was getting played on top 40 pop stations. Right. Whereas what, what happened basically to cut to the chase in the 21st century is when you no longer have black record stores where you can isolate, okay, this is what the R&B audience is buying. And you you no longer have... You still have black radio, right? But you basically everybody's piling into the same Spotify and the same Google and the same YouTube to play everything. 
it gets harder to prize apart what audiences are listening to. Right. And Billboard basically starting in 2012, they no longer try. They just say, right, we're, for the country chart, we're going to take the Hot 100, chop out all the records that we don't think are country, squeeze the accordion, as I call it, junk, and that's your country chart. That's all the country chart, uh, hot country songs is now. That's all the R&B hip-hop songs chart is now. So if the, the highest ranked song that we consider R&B and hip-hop, which currently is the Doja Cat song, um, Paint the Town Red. Paint the, the Town Red. That automatically becomes the number one R&B hip-hop song. And it doesn't really tell you anymore, okay, but what is the core R&B hip-hop audience listening to? You can look at the airplay chart, which is a pretty good proxy for that, but you no longer have a unified chart and you no longer have a flagship chart for those genres that isolates what that audience is buying and listening to. That And that, to me, is a pity. So do we um, think that these are accurate, uh, these charts, are these accurate numbers? When we're looking at this list, is it a guesstimation or is it accurate? I think the data going into it, I, I credit Billboard with this. Billboard is getting accurate data. I don't I don't think the data is fudged. Yes, we could go down a rabbit hole of talking about, you know, the people who s put stream records in, in loops and things like that. Spotify claims that they have systems for removing that from the data. We could go down all sorts of conspiracist rabbit holes. But no, fundamentally, at the end of the day, I think Billboard has accurate data. I just think for their genre charts, the, the methodology they have chosen to cut their genre charts is flawed because all it is is measuring what pop crossover fans are listening to. It's not actually measuring what a core R&B hip-hop fan base or what a core country fan base is listening to. I think that another thing that you get, in, like I said, the whole Franken, you know, the piecing together, which I think that kind of piecing together of music, it kind of offends country since it is still a musician-based um, community. But also the fact that, you know, you have the likes of Jason Aldean, who, I'm sorry, who couldn't, is MAGA with a capital M, trading in this sort of, uh, what were they calling it, trap country back then? And well, back so it, then they called it hick hop, but yeah. Hick hop, right. So that's okay when you have a white artist, you know, Bubba Sparks and people like that trading in country. And Bubba Sparks, haven't heard that name in a long time. Um, that's it, you back. Yeah, it did. I was like, I remember Bubba Sparks. Um, trading in country. So it's, you know, what else is new? A white artist can approximate black culture, black music. When a black artist approximates what's deemed as white music, all hell breaks loose, you know? Well, and since you brought up Bubba Sparks, in, in the chapter where I talk about the cross-pollination of country and hip-hop specifically, not just R&B back in the day of Ray Charles and modern sounds and country and Western music, but specifically rap, Bubba Sparks is an interesting figure because when he breaks in the early 2000s, his production team is Timbaland and Organized Noise. He's actually working with black creators. And that was apparently still too black for Nashville. Even when he sampled artists like the Yonder Mountain String Band, it still didn't sound country enough for Nashville. What, the, what I then trace in that little piece of the chapter is somebody who worked with Bubba Sparks, a white guy who worked with Bubba Sparks, then tries his hand at working with a guy named Colt Ford. And by the way, there's no enmity between Colt Ford and Bubba Sparks. They've actually duetted with each other together. But Colt Ford is kind of like the next success of the white rapper from, you know, country music. Colt Ford co-writes and records this song called Dirt Road Anthem. 
that version, because it's on an independent label, isn't a big hit. But then Jason Aldean, to bring it full circle, covers Dirt Road Anthem. And that is finally, to put it bluntly, considered white enough. That, right. And Jason Aldean is established enough in the Nashville system that that becomes a massive number one hit on the country charts. And on that, Jason Aldean is both singing the chorus and rapping the verses. He's doing God both parts himself. God yes. <laughs> well, it's sort of like, you know, in a way, in a li- that it's a more demonic version, but Tracy Chapman's crossover success now, you know? Right, and she it, just won a CMA award a few nights she ago. She just won a CMA award. Um, yeah, I love the book. I really do. And I will say one Thank of the you. things I... No, I really do. And I, I read it really quickly because uh, it's short. One of the things I do like <laughs> is that I'm not a numbers person. I get very confused by numbers. Um, but you do have a great way of democratizing and explaining stuff that goes above the head for a lot of us, but is so important in how we are consume and are are introduced to music right now and it is a numbers game i mean courtney referred to it it is a numbers game in a lot of in a lot of ways you know yes and the thing is i think you know the charts have been king for a long time and obviously artists have always paid attention to the charts um and it's always been a numbers game to some extent but we now have more data available to us and that changes the game. So to go back to what Courtney was saying about comparing what Mariah and Boys to Men did in the 90s to what Lil Nas X did, yeah, it's a different game now. I mean, Lil Nas X went to number one and stayed there for 19 weeks because of streaming, overwhelmingly. Um, Old Town Road peaked at number two on the radio songs chart, which is very strong. It was a number two radio record, but it never went to number one on the radio chart. If it had been up to radio, that would have been a number two hit. Um, it sold very well. It spent several weeks at number one on the digital s- downloads chart, the, the song sales chart. So that would have gotten it to number one, but it probably wouldn't have spent 19 weeks at number one if it hadn't been for streaming. And the th- components that go into streaming include everything from Spotify and Apple Music to YouTube, people watching the video, people banging the song over and over again. For the record, TikTok did not, and to this day still does not count for the Hot 100, but obviously as the first big hit that blew up on TikTok, TikTok had a massive knock-on effect on all the other metrics, which do count for the chart. And this is why this song is so emblematic of its time. Both the way it was created, to go back to Amy's original question, you know, this beat that was on Beat Stars from a Dutch guy who calls himself Young Kyo, um, <laughs> who, you know, took uh, an, uh, a weird record by Trent Reznor of Na- Nine Inch Nails from the aughts that was instrumental that Trent Reznor had put out under a Creative Commons license. So he was basically inviting people to mess with it. And that's exactly what this Dutch DJ does. He speeds it up ever so slightly. He doesn't do much to it. He throws a little bit of a bassy thump behind it and he puts it up on BeatStars. Oh, Montero Lamar Hill, 19 years old, takes one listen to that and says, that sounds country to me. And he he devises the song as a meme. When, when people say, is this just a novelty record? That's not an insult. He wanted it to be funny. He knew the line, I got the horses in the back, would be funny and viral. He wanted the song to go viral. It's not You're not insulting Lil Nas X when you say your song is just comical. Yes, it's comical. He wants it to be funny. He's like, and thank so, you. Thank you very much. That's what I In want fact, to. thank you. I will, yes. be, I, will be, I will be cashing the check at thir- <laughs> on Thursday. 
Thursday. Exactly. And l- literally laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> you know? And as a guy, Montero, who got his start on the internet basically as a Nicki Minaj stan, who was a Twitter super follower of Nicki Minaj, he just fundamentally understands at a root level. And by the way, this continues after Old Town Road on records like Montero, Call Me By Your Name, and Industry Baby. He just fundamentally understands at a root level as like a Zoomer icon what the Gen Z wants to listen to. And that's a skill. And to look at too, because he, it's like, it's like he timed everything perfectly. He hit everything, you know, this is, this is the moment where people are coming out and there's acceptance. This is the moment where things are crossing over. He's like, bang, 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 which, you know, always leads. We always talk about this. What, Okay, now it's what's what's next? Is he truly an artist, capital A, or is he just re- a very re- smart kid? And you I'm know? really curious. This next project to me will tell us a lot of things. Because you can do a lot of stuff that's shock and awe, right? People always talk about Madonna, you know, she was the queen of reinvention and she liked to shock people, but the songs and the music was there, right? So it was like she was doing certain things, but she had hit songs it's really i i i personally think that it is time for him to put out another record uh you know he's I, working on another album i, I absolutely I, it almost feels late to me but it's really important what what he what is it going to be right you know and and i think that already you know i'll tell you this because you asked me what what was the origin story of why i wrote this book when i wrote mm-hmm. the book when i was approached in the summer of 2020 I basically said to Emily Lordy, well, I'll do this book, but you know, it'll be interesting to see if this kid turns out to be not a one-hit wonder because he technically had a couple of follow-up hits, but right. they were so small, they barely even counted. Like, am I writing a book about a de facto one-hit wonder? And when I literally the week I turned in the first full manuscript in the spring of 2021, Montero debuted at number one on the Hot 100. Now you can right. say, well, you can shock and awe to use Courtney's words, your way to a number one hit. But Montero sat on radio playlists for months. In Industry Baby was the most streamed song of 2021. That's not people worldwide you know, too. It was a huge yeah. record here. And by the way, that's on sp- and that most streamed figure that's on Spotify. People were not just watching the video where he has the drill team of new dancers in jail. No, they right. wanted to hear the record, the song, the third track, the third single from that record. That's what I want. That was a top ten radio record, and it spent 40 weeks on the radio songs chart. That's not oh, people love his memes yeah. or people want to make a, this that's a, that's a hit record. That People that this kid has actual hit records. And so one argument I make to folks is if you're calling him a one hit wonder, no, he's already broken out of that box. I take your point, Courtney. I think the second album is going to prove a lot in terms of his staying power, but he's kind of already broken out of the, oh, you're just a meme. He's kind of a savant. He's kind of a savant in a way. I mean, there is is something, whether you like him or not, there is something you, you see the wheels turning, but man, he's, he's hitting on all cylinders with this, you know? But I say, that because this industry is littered with people who we've let have a massive debut album with big hits and then you wait a long time you come back and then the temperature has cooled off you know what they did to poor lauren hill they denied her that second (laughs) record that horrible racist patriarchy (laughs) told her you have the biggest album iconic album all time and they said you cannot make another record lauren (laughs) sorry this is going to sound like a weird analogy but a Mm. few months ago i was invited by dj louis the 14th on his uh, podcast pop pantheon Mm. and this was so random he's like i'm looking for somebody who can talk to me about the career of paula abdul 
And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm your boy on that. And Paul Abdul like had like one of the most massive debut albums in chart history, four number one hits on that record, sold, you know, millions of copies. And she did manage to get one follow-up album, but then it kind of petered out. You know, like she had a massive moment. She has chart records that can't be taken away from her. But do we think of Paul Abdul as kind of a legacy artist? Not at the level of Janet Jackson, certainly no. somebody she mm -hmm. worked with, right? So yeah, Courtney's point is well taken. This it's time for a little Nas X to kind of see how long he can keep the string going. But I would say based on the evidence thus far, the fact that that's what I want is basically like a punk pop rock song. The fact that industry baby is more of a straight up rock song. The fact that Montero call me by your name is kind of a flamenco esque song. None of these records sound like each other and they were all hits. The kid has a savvy to him and I give him credit for that. And he, and he also knows how to put on a show. I mean, yeah. whether you think it's over the, we're just curious because we were talking a lot about the Grammys. Any thoughts on the Grammys? And can you explain Boy Genius to me, to us, please? <laughs> uh, please I don't know. Indie, indie rock supergroup. It makes it makes Grammy voters feel good about themselves. I, I like you. Boy Genius. Thank you. I, 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 even I when they vote right, even when they vote for something I like, I'm I'm always questioning their motives. But yeah, right. I yeah. I mean, I I like them too. But I just I always feel like I was joking around. I always feel like as a white woman, I'm, I'm there's things I should like, and I'm like. Yeah, they're good. They're not bad. I don't get. But I still haven't listened to it yet. I need to. I need to listen. It's to not them bad. Did you watch I, them on Saturday Night Live? They were the musical guests. If you go I back did. and watch this mm -hmm. weekend, yeah. I thought they? they did a night. Yeah. I thought they did yeah. a good job. They were yeah. good. Mm -hmm. But what yeah. do you any any thoughts on the Grammys this year? I mean, as much as you can think about them. I mean, I think the Grammys are trying to overcorrect for the we don't vote for women problem. Um, they continue to be fair. This was a bad year for hip hop. So Terrible. to me, the, the most, yeah. the more egregious problem with the Grammys is, is the fact that only two rap albums have ever won album of the year. And they're both basically like melodic jazzy pop records in rap clothing as good right. as they, as they are, you know, miseducation of Lauren Hill is a legendary album for a reason, but Let's face it, she sings as much as she raps on that record. And on Speakerbox, The Love Below, you know, Andre is spending his disc, you know, pretending he's a jazz guy. So, like, you know, neither one of those, to me, can counts as a boom-bap rap record. They have still, right. to this day, never made a boom-bap rap, rap record their album Andre's, of the year. And, Andre's second yeah. solo album drops this week. Oh, I will be curious to see what I will be there. very there, curious. But there's no singing, no rapping on it. He's playing playing different flutes. So it's an, it's like a oh, jazz. Shoot me with he's, a yeah, he's not singing or rapping on it. But I'm really excited to hear it. I want to hear Wait what he's going to be giving. Uh, yeah, there's um, no vocals To me, it. the tragedy of Andre is that he's a legitimately great MC. Like his yeah. flow is superb. When he yeah. drops a, a bonus verse on somebody's mm -hmm. record, it's, it's like the, it's the always, clouds part. It's so everybody's good. Like, like, oh my God, we hear him again. But you know what? I saw him last year randomly, two days in a row. One time I was like Hold in on Midtown, for a and one time I was downtown. Courtney, check yeah. my check my recording. I stopped recording. You haven't stopped recording. Okay. <laughs> Not on my end, you haven't. Okay. All right, good. <laughs> um, I can still hear you for whatever. Yeah, and, and and it says record. I'm seeing all of that and you're you're okay, recording. I'm just making um, sure. And I saw him randomly walking around with like an instrument thingy. Once in the village, I looked him in his face, and we looked at each other, and the acknowledgement thing, and I was like, oh, shit. Then the next day, I was running someplace else, and there he was with, like, some flute thingy just walking around in, like, denim overalls in the city, just being Andre. Very I'm interesting. So I'm head. really, honestly, listen, I think the man 
is oh, I think really musically me too. So I don't think this is going to be some bullshit. I absolutely believe if he made a record and it's an instrumental sort of like experimental record, I'm very curious to see what he what what he's going to put out. I'm holding up cross fingers right now because I'm, he's super talented. I don't know. You're shaking your head, but she's super talented. He's super talented. He's Amy, super so. talented, but I don't want to hear a fucking flute record from Andre Three Thousand. If I wanted to hear flutes, I'd listen to Patrice Russian or a goddamn Jethro Tull but, record. But here's the thing: you don't know. We gotta. I say let's be. Open I to don't. One okay, here I'll make it, I'll make it easier. I don't want to hear a flute record. Period. How's that? I don't want Lizzo to put out a flute record. Herbert, okay, here's the flute records I want to hear. Herbert Laws, Patrice Russian, that's it. And, and some done. Irish and some Irish guy at a fireman's funeral. Okay, that's it. That's all. That, I that, that's hear. it for your for, for your. Flute that's it. I have cannon. nothing against the flute. They tried to get me to play the flute when I was in elementary school, but I had a lisp. So every time I tried to blow into the flute, it'd be like suffering succotash. So they put me on the <laughs> violin instead, and I can't play. That I thought either. they would make you play the recorder when you were in grade school. The recorder was. Oh really yeah, that does, that's everybody's start. It's like the gateway drug to uh, to yeah. Right. Everybody has to play the recorder. Um, Chris, it's lovely to see you as always. Always, always lovely to see you guys. Don't be a stranger, as the kids say. Um, I love that you're so chart obsessed because I always have a million questions about the charts because it's been a million years since I've had to look at the charts every week or sound scan and all of those things. It's literally been since 2010. And I know it's changed so much. And I was telling Amy this earlier when we were talking about the Lana record. And she was like, and then it just went away. I was like, you know what? I realize we're having that conversation differently. Because I'll talk to my friends who are still at labels. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's so weird. Like, there's no real marketing anymore. You could tell the people, like, the Beyonce's, the Taylor Swift's. They have creative directors. Their marketing team is outside of the label. So all of that other stuff is coming from outside. I was like, but within, sometimes we see these records drop. And because of streaming, it just kind of drops. And then that's it. And then I always think sometimes things have flopped. But then when I'm speaking to my friends who are talking to me about the streaming chart and what's streaming, they're like, no, this album is actually a big hit for us because it's streaming. And the streaming numbers are good, which is always so odd because... I hear these songs and they'll say, oh, this has reached a billion streams. And I know a billion streams, the artist isn't making not even a million dollars. But the labels, these numbers seem to mean something. They're making a shitload of money from these streams. So it's really confusing at how the charts work now that it encompasses everything, like people watching your video and this over here and and these different DSPs. Right. And just the simple fact, this is the, you said since 2010, you haven't been paying much attention to the charts. What you have not been paying attention to is what I would call the consumption era, where basically we don't just know that you like Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. We know just how much you play it. That's what's new. Because in the old system, where right through the download era, right through the 99 cent iTunes download of the aughts, we knew you bought something. We had no idea how many times you played it. Now we know how much you play something. So for example, now that streaming is on the album chart, for example, uh, the first album, um, Control by SZA, has been sitting on the album chart since it debuted six, seven years ago. So that's how everybody knew when she dropped SOS a year ago, this record's going to blow up because basically there's an audience that has been listening to nothing but SZA for the last six years nonstop because we know it isn't just that you bought the SZA record, you keep playing the SZA record. That's new data. That, That has changed, fundamentally changed our understanding. And by the way, well, this, why Old Town Road was a hit. 
Right. It bodes well then for the next Pet Shop Boys record and or Roxy Music record for me because that's all I play. <laughs> oh, if if they could have a big ass hit, I would love that. I, well, I, for, you know, I for one loved I love the Drake got Pet Shop Boys back in the the conversation even if it was for the no, wrong reasons. A few and years. you know brilliant. they are recording a new album right now. No, yeah, no, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. All right, we are going to let you go on with your day. We are I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, we're doing something. <laughs> but Chris, uh, let me hold up the book again. Actually, I'll hold up the book. I, Courtney has literally started making me do these videos, which I don't like nice. doing. But 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 I'm, he likes I likes doing because, them. She no, likes well, she, she no, doing like, that because everybody like, loves to see her now. Well, and everybody, it is. That's the, what the it reaction is. has been like, I know. oh my God, there's Amy. That's what Amy looks like. And when I first I, put I it on TikTok, people were like, that's your partner. That's what I know. She, I am I have a, a low self esteem. Um, <laughs> so when I people say, oh, you look really good, but it also, you know, you start going, oh, you know, hair. Okay. Old Town Road. Um, Which is why I make by, her do all the videos because I hate being I, on camera. I, I, she does I them know. all. I'm like, I'm not I doing know. it. I, a song by Little Nas X with Billy Ray Cyrus. It is on Duke University Press, but you don't have to have gone to college to buy it. It is available in stores as we speak, right? It is indeed. It's yes. in stores as we speak. All right, Chris, thank you so much. Courtney, take us out. Chris, stay on the air so we can make sure you download and don't have to chase after you like the cops after a crackhead. Go. Like Eric Adams, we too are taking all unsolicited weird donations. Send them to us over here at I'ma Let You Finish on Facebook, all one word, or over at TikTok, I'ma Let You Finish podcast. Um, we're still on that thing that that man owns. You can find us there, but we don't discuss that. We're on threads, and I'ma let you finish in why. And we're on the Pantheon Podcast Network, where we will see you next week. Deuces. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.